This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. This is the week when we are celebrating the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King. And Dr. Martin Luther King, to me, is someone that we should celebrate every day and certainly every year. And today, I want to talk about some ideas and principles from the very last speech and presentation that he gave. And that last speech was called, in some respects, Unfulfilled Dreams. However, the spin I'm going to take on it today, I'm going to refer to it as finishing the unfinishable. His last speech occurred on the 3rd of April, 1968. It was at the Bishop Charles J. Mason Temple in Memphis, Tennessee. And if you remember your history, Dr. King was killed the very next day on the 4th of April, 1968 at the Lorraine Motel in Memphis. In this speech, he was talking about people who had a passion and a calling for the work that they were doing. And they worked hard at whatever that calling and ministry was for so many years, and yet they did not get a chance to see it come to its final fruition. And he named a number of people. He talked about Gandhi and how that Gandhi spent years fighting for the freedom and independence of India, and he wanted the people to be united, and yet India and Pakistan divided, and they divided over religious differences between the Muslim religion and the Hindu religion. So as much as the work was that he did, he did not get to see the unity that he envisioned before he died. And then Woodrow Wilson dreamed of the League of Nations, However, before the League of Nations came to be, he also died. When we think about the Apostle Paul, he described how the Apostle Paul always wanted to go to Spain. He wanted to minister there. However, he never actually got to Spain. He ended up dying in Rome instead. We also know that those of us who have African-American ancestry, we have many ancestors who dreamed of freedom freedom from slavery. They sang songs about freedom, and yet they themselves never got to see that freedom. They died in an enslaved state. Even though we may not get to finish the things that we are starting, and as Dr. Martin Luther King says, we're all building a temple. And he would say, it's good that you have the desire in your heart, even if the temple is not fully built, even if the dream isn't completely fulfilled. I would say we are building this eternal and infinite great temple, which takes nearly an eternity to build, or certainly as long as the earth is in existence. And in that case, that means that none of us are really going to be able to build the whole thing in our lifetime. 
So we each have a part of the temple to build. We each have a wall, if you will, to build during the time that we're here on the earth. And let's be encouraged that we have a part in building it rather than to be discouraged that we may not get to finish it. Our only calling is to finish the part that we're called to finish. When he was asked about the time period in which he lived and whether there was another time he'd prefer to have lived in, Dr. Martin Luther King did sort of almost a history of the world and the nations and different time periods. And he came to the realization that the time in which I'm living is the appropriate time for me to be in. He saw so much opportunity in this time, even though it was extremely difficult, even though life for African-Americans was very challenged, he understood that he was called for that particular period of time. And what that reminded me of is what we see in Acts, the 17th chapter, starting with verse 26. And this is the speech, if you will, that being given about the unknown God in Athens. Paul is speaking to the Athenians, he's speaking to the Greeks, and they even have a temple to the unknown God, just in case they've missed one. And he's coming to them and saying, I'm here to tell you about the unknown God, the one that you worship and you don't even know who it is. And as he's given that speech and he goes on to talk about God's plan and some of how God has orchestrated things. So he says in Acts 17, starting with verse 26, and he, meaning God, has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. So there's this sense that we live in the time period where God has ordained that we would live and to fulfill the purpose or our part of the wall building, the temple building during our time. And so Dr. Martin Luther King didn't wish he was born in a better time or at a different time. He felt that he was there at the right time for the gifts that God gave him and for the work that he was supposed to be doing. So when I think about it, the master builder who we know as God is building an infinite eternal building and we are to build our part while we are here. Dr. Martin Luther King also said in that speech, he says that when the slaves get together, that's the beginning of getting out of slavery. And so therefore, those people who are always at cross purposes and the enemies, they try to keep division going amongst those people who are enslaved. Because as long as they can keep the people divided, and even Pharaoh understood this principle, you keep the people divided, you keep them enslaved. When the people are unified and united, that's when they have the power to move forward. So he went on to say that even when Bull Connor, who if you may not remember him, was a huge figure in history, 
He was what's called the commissioner of safety for about 22 years down in Birmingham, Alabama. And he was a dyed in the wool, hardcore segregationist. He was totally opposed to the civil rights movement. And he used the authority of his office to oppress people of African descent through the police and through the fire departments and through every other mechanism that he could. So Dr. Martin Luther King said, even when Bull Connor would send out the fire hoses, if you understand, they would unleash this huge, powerful water to disperse the crowds of people demonstrating. And if you've ever had a fire hose really turned loose on you or seen it, the force of the water is strong enough to knock people over. It's quite dangerous. And he says, you know, we've been to the water, is what Dr. Martin Luther King said. As people who believe in God, we've been immersed and baptized into God's saving water. So that doesn't even scare us. And he says, there is a fire that burns that no water can put out. And when I hear that statement, I think about the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit fire that God puts inside of his people and no water, even the fire hose water cannot quench the fire of God when it's in the heart of a person. He says, they sent the dogs out on us. And he says, we just looked at them and we kept on going. They sent out the paddy wagons, stuffed us in the paddy wagons, took us to prison. We got in the prisons and we sang. We sang and we prayed. We sang, we shall overcome. And of course, it really reminds me of Paul and Silas when they were in the Philippian jail and they prayed and they were singing songs of praise to God. He said, even that really couldn't stop us. And it reminds me of a song I was listening to the other day. I don't know what the song is called, and I don't even know who the author of the song is. It was part of a medley that a group was called the Kingdom City Miracle Offering Singers. They were singing, and the lines in the song said, Thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son, leaving your Spirit till your work on earth is done. And what that makes me think about is that everything that we're doing and the part of the building that we're participating in, it's all by the Spirit of God. Dr. Martin Luther King said it's important to develop what he calls a dangerous kind of unselfishness. And he promoted the notion of changing our question. So when he was talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan that Jesus told where this a man who had been on the road down to Jericho and he was harmed by some thieves and was left to die in the road. And we had a priest pass by on one side, a Levite pass by on the other side, but a Samaritan who the Jews hated at the time and didn't consider to be even a part of the people of God, a Samaritan stopped and helped the man. And Dr. King said that when he and his wife were in Israel and they traveled from Jerusalem down to Jericho, that that road was incredibly dangerous. A lot of twists and turns. You start out at about 2,000 plus feet above sea level. And by the time you get down to Jericho, you're 2,000 and some feet below sea level. And they could imagine and see how robbers on the road really could be a problem. 
And we've come up with all kinds of theories and all kinds of explanations about why the priest didn't stop, why the Levite didn't stop. Maybe it's because they didn't want to defile themselves, you know, with this particular body before they were going to the worship service. They were on their way to the worship service. They couldn't be late. All of these things. He said, bottom line, they might have just been afraid. And he says, we've got to change the question from the question of this. If I stop to help this man in need, what will happen to me? That's the question we usually ask. And Dr. King says, instead of that question, we want to change the question and say, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? That's the real question. So if we don't do what it is that we are here to do and we are called to do, what will happen to the people around us and the rest of society because we're not fulfilling the mission and calling that's on our lives? He also said that whenever men and women straighten up their backs, they're then going somewhere. And Dr. King, even in his speech that was in Washington, D.C. in 1964 on the Mall, he talked about almost in a prophetic sense that he might not live very long and might not get there to the promised land. Even in this speech, he referenced those same kinds of words and said them again. And I'm just going to quote some of it. He says, in quote, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. He's allowed me to go up to the mountain. I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but we as a people will get to the promised land. Not fearing any man, because my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. So he had this sense that like Moses, he was allowed to go up and look over the mountaintop and see where God was leading the people. And even if he didn't get to go and be a part of it, he knew that it was going to happen and that it was important and that God was going to fulfill it. So as he thought about his life and how he wanted to be remembered, Dr. King was reflecting on what might he want to have on his epitaph, if you will, or his gravestone. And he said he wanted people to say something like, Martin Luther King Jr. tried to give his life serving others. Martin Luther King Jr. tried to love somebody. He tried to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to visit those in prison to love and serve humanity. He said, if you're going to say that I was a drum major, say that I was a drum major for justice. Say that I was a drum major for peace. Say that I was a drum major for righteousness. I want to leave a committed life behind. And he further said, And I'll quote this from his speech as well. It was the last part of his speech. He says, if I can help somebody as I pass along, 
if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody he's traveling wrong, then my life will not be in vain. If I can do my duty as a Christian ought, if I can bring salvation to a world once wrought, if I can spread the message as the master taught, then my living will not be in vain. Only God knows what part of that wall, what part of that temple each of us is building and how long we will have on this earth to build it. In Dr. King's case, from the day he gave that message, he had less than one day remaining on this earth to do the work that God had called him to do. And because of the words that he left behind, because of the legacy that he left behind, because of the service to humanity he left behind, he continues to live. His work continues to live, even though he physically has gone on to another place. And so we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King because he lived out the calling and the purpose on his life. God set him apart. He lived out that set apart life that he was called to, and he built the part of the temple. He built the part of the wall that God called him to build. So I want to conclude today with a scripture that reminds me of how Dr. King lived. And this is John, the 15th chapter and verse 13. And it says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And when we think about Dr. Martin Luther King, he could have chosen an easier path, one that did not lead to an early death. However, he chose to serve the people. He chose to serve the community, which meant that he died at a young age and he died for his friends. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.